Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for April 5th, 2018. On today's show, we're going to be discussing the latest film news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is writers Huay Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, guys, let's get right into it. Um, actually, before we get right into it, <laughs> uh, last night I went to the world premiere of Rampage, the new film from uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, it was downtown in Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles at uh, the Microsoft Theater. It's one of the biggest premieres I've ever been to because there's like five thousand people at this premiere. Um, and uh, I, I only mention this because our first story is uh, the early buzz coming out of that premiere. HT, I will throw it to you. What 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 do people think of Rampage? So people think that Rampage is a dumb, loud, mindless movie, but they love it anyways. Essentially, it's everything that you expect in a Dwayne Johnson movie. Big explosions, bigger pecs, and lots of testosterone-fueled male posturing, uh, possibly in the jungle, (laughs) maybe wearing the same khaki shirt that he's worn for the past five movies. Um, By the way, I I can't wait until uh, Jungle Cruise comes out and someone like edits together a trailer of that Jumanji and uh, Rampage together into like one movie. Exactly. It would be the same movie. But um, people were calling it the ultimate guilty pleasure and that it knows exactly what it is, which is a mindless popcorn movie. So if you're really looking for that kind of movie, then that's what you're going to get with Rampage. Yeah. Yeah. 
I didn't love it. I don't think this breaks the video game curse, uh, which we'll talk about later uh, next week on the podcast in a mailbag segment. Um, But uh, it it does have some fun. And uh, surprisingly, the relationship between Dwayne Johnson and uh, the uh, the ape forget the name of the ape george i think um it, it is uh kind of like a, the better parts of this movie and for me like once you get to like the third act uh kind of rampaging what, what the whole movie is building up to that was like my least favorite part of the movie um but it definitely has one of the uh, worst villains i've seen in, in in movies this year on the big screen even worse than uh ready player one um but uh, Ben was also there. Did he? Did he tweet about this? Yes, he did. He was a. He was about as muted to the movie as you were. He said, "This movie is exactly what you think it's going to be." Afterward, a guy near me said to his friend, "That was great. You didn't have to think at all." <laughs> so <laughs> Ben wasn't quite as favorable to it as a lot of other people have been, and I don't think uh, you were either. So it's <laughs> it's not it's it's it depends on what is your cup of tea essentially it's not a bad movie it's just uh, kind of disposable entertainment uh i love how ben uh, throws the movie so much shade without saying he didn't like it <laughs> um, exactly in a clever way anyways let's move on uh from rampage to the avengers uh the early tracking for avengers infinity war has uh been released chris is this going to be the lowest grossing marvel movie of all time uh, no, <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone could have seen this coming, but Avengers Affinity War is going to be a big hit at the box office. Uh, early tracking indicates it's on its way to a 200 million plus uh, opening weekend that'll uh, it's pretty much going to break the record for April. Uh, previous record holders for April openings were, you know, the Furious 7 and Fast and Fate of the Furious, which you know opened big, but not anywhere near as big as this. Uh, it'll also um, there are only seven other movies to open at two hundred million dollar range, um, two hundred million dollar plus range. I'm sorry, there's a plus there, and uh, it's um it's going to be in line with um the first Avengers, which opened uh, at two hundred million plus, and also Black Panther, which also opened at two hundred uh, million plus. Um. Beyond that, all the other Marvel films open a little below that. I, I've, I've compiled them all together on SlashFilm.com. So if you're curious of the opening weekend intake for every MCU film so far, they're all there on SlashFilm.com. Okay, so how how is this going to compare to like Black Panther? Where, where did Black Panther open on uh, their opening weekend? Uh, Black Panther had $202 million it opened with that, so... Uh, they're saying plus now, which can mean anything. I don't know if it's going to surpass Black Panther or not. I guess we'll we'll find out when that opening weekend comes, April twenty seventh. So who who holds the record for the number one opening weekend of all time at this point? Like, can Infinity War beat it? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I really don't. I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. It will just because the hype for this movie seems insane, but I I really don't know. Let me, I, I'm pulling up the opening weekends right now. So the biggest opening weekend of all time is Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and that was 247 million, almost 248. Uh, does Does Avengers have a chance? I mean, if, if Black Panther can do over 200 million, I would think Avengers. It's tough. It's tough to say because Star Wars had so much more hype. I mean, it was the first Star Wars film 
in so long and it had, you know, original, you know, part of the original Star Wars cast in it. So the hype through that was through the roof. So I don't know, maybe it won't get there, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it came close. Well, we, we will have to see uh, when Avengers uh, hits theaters. When is that? End of April? April 27th. Yes. Uh, speaking of Star Wars, Star Wars The Last Jedi is the most profitable profitable film of 2017, which shouldn't surprise anybody. But uh, HT, you wrote up the, about this list, which kind of considers the, the budget versus the um, what they made at the box office. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. So Deadline released its annual report of uh, the most profitable movies of the year, which gauges the movie's budgets and how much the studio spent on marketing and other such costs with how much the movie the studios actually made at the box office. So um, the top 10 were Star Wars The Last Jedi, Beauty and the Beast, Despicable Me 3, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, It, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and Get Out. So Star Wars The Last Jedi overall made a net profit of $417.5 million, uh, which is still a little less than what um, The Force Awakens performed overall in 2015 with their net profit, which was about um, almost double that, actually. It was uh, $923.86 million net profit-wise. So people have been saying that you know Last Jedi is a disappointment compared to Force, Force Awakens, but it still came out on top in 2017 which is kind of astonishing because beauty and the beast broke so many records earlier in the year but then last jedi came in like the last two months and just swept (laughs) that all away yeah um and you you know we hear all these big numbers and it sounds like the movie theater business is doing so well but uh, actually i think a report came out this week that audience theater attendance is the lowest it has been in 23 years despite the facts uh the fact that uh global box office is still growing um, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Avengers Infinity War does and, and what uh, this coming year of the box office does, especially uh, with uh, Movie Pass in the mix. Uh, but let, let's talk about home box or home uh, home rentals. Home, what are we talking about? Home rentals, digital rentals, digital yeah. rentals. Digital I guess rentals. home rentals too. Yeah, digital rentals for a minute. Let's talk about digital rentals. Uh, uh. You know, in the past, we've talked about, you know, what people are renting at Redbox, and it it always ends up being, like, the most vanilla, uh, disappointing movies. Uh, Tell me, Chris, we now have a list of uh, the most rented movies on digital for 2017. What is the most rented movie? The most rented movie is the 2016 movie... The Accountant, starring Ben Affleck. <laughs> uh, I was, I was just as surprised as you were about this because nothing against The Accountant; it's an entertaining movie, but I was not expecting this to be the number one digital rental of 2017. But it was. Um, r- the runners-up were Disney's Moana and Wonder Woman. So, uh, people are really into renting The Accountant for some reason. See, Moana and Wonder Woman make sense to me. The accountant does not. And I, you know, I've seen the accountant. Uh, you have too. Has HT seen the accountant? I I have not seen, the, have accountant. Not seen the accountant. I, ha- I have no interest in watching it. Sorry to say to all those people who rented it digitally. <laughs> but well, you, um, you better catch up. They're making a sequel. You don't want to be left out of the loop. For the oh, no. too. <laughs> You know, it, it's actually a surprisingly uh, fun film. I'm not going to say good film, 
Um, it, like I, I never knew I wanted to see Ben Affleck as an accountant superhero, but that that's what the movie is. And uh, but I'm just so, so so strange because I feel like if I was prompted with a list of movies on my like you know Apple TV or however people rent movies nowadays, like a movie called The Accountant sounds like the most boring movie. Um, I mean the movie isn't that. But uh, it's just so strange. Um, anyways, let's move on to uh, Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, they are coming back. HT, where are we going to see them? We're going to see them in virtual reality. So Jay and Silent Bob are striking back in a live action comedy series written and directed by Kevin Smith, who stars also as Silent Bob. And it will be shot from the point of view of Smith's Silent Bob character as Jason Mew's Jay, uh, quote, leads the way through a string of idiotic adventures, end quote. So it sounds like a classic Jay and Silent Bob movie and uh, kind of the next step in uh, their evolution through uh, indie movies, through uh, cameos in Kevin Smith movies, um, comic books, and even a video game. So VR, I guess, was the only sort of terrain <laughs> that they haven't um, explored yet. And it's part of one of several VR projects that's been announced in development by STX Entertainment Surreal Division. Hmm. Uh, like I, I, you know, I know lo- people love to hate on Kevin Smith nowadays. Uh, he was very much a part of my uh, independent film uh, upbringing, uh, and uh, I kind of, you know, have a sp- soft spot for Jane Silent Bob. And this having them as part of like a digital kind of like short series seems like an obvious thing to me like they've always been kind of like looney tunes kind of characters and uh having them have adventures in like these short form would be great but but in vr and from the point of view of silent bob like you're not even going to get to see kevin smith as silent bob you are going to be silent bob chris does this make any sense no (laughs) but i'm one of those weirdos who just doesn't really get vr in general so uh this this sounds um not for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just wish, uh, I, I think you said this in the Slack channel, I wish they would just bring back the Clerks, the animated series back. Uh, th- there must be a way nowadays with, you know, with these digital uh, services that are, you know, like Netflix and Hulu and all that. Like, there must be, like, a way to do that on the cheap. And I feel like there is probably an audience for it. I don't know. Maybe maybe not judging based on Kevin Smith's uh, last few films films at the box office, but uh, um, but I don't know. Uh, I, I I would give this a try, but I don't even have virtual reality headsets, so I'm I'm wondering where are people even gonna experience this? Um, who knows? Uh, anyways, let's move on to uh, yesterday. We were talking about a new Terminator comic. I, I was talking about Terminator uh, Genesis and how I actually liked the film a little bit. Um, and uh, today we learn a little bit about the abandoned Terminator Genesis sequel. Uh, they had written two sequels to form a trilogy, which we will never see. But Chris, you're at this up for the site. What would the sequels have told us about? Uh, yeah, so Jason Clark, who plays John Connor in uh, Terminator Genesis, he's out there doing promotion for Chappaquiddick right now, and uh, Collider asked him to you know to spill the beans on these uh, Genesis sequels we'll never see, and he said the the second film, the the, the direct sequel to Genesis, would have focused directly on his John Connor character. Um, uh, spoilers for Terminator Genesis if you haven't seen it, but. 
there's a, a a big twist late in the film that reveals that John Connor has been turned into a cyborg. You know, he's he's the famous human resistance leader who sets the whole franchise in motion. But in this film, he gets turned into a robot. So the sequel was going to be all about how he became a robot. It was going to basically be his story turning into half man, half machine. And now we'll never see it. <laughs> and uh, the previous Terminator film, Terminator Salvation, the the film from uh, Mick G originally kind of had like that kind of uh, spin to the ending. And that was going to be his take on the series. Um, is there is there anything there? Is that something you would want to see explored in this new, um, I guess, uh, James Cameron produced Terminator uh, sequel series? I don't know. This is this franchise is so strange because, you know, the first two movies are great. And then every movie since has just seemed like it's just been trying to top it with like extravagance. It just gets crazier and crazier, but none of them can compete with those first two films. So I really don't know what there's even left to do with the franchise at this point. I kind of wonder, like, you know, uh, revisiting the Terminator films. You know, the first film is kind of more like a horror film. The second film is kind of like a what, like a sci-fi adventure kind of film, um, a chase film, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder, like, if I was James Cameron, I'd be like, if if we're doing another Terminator film, let's let's do you know, let's do the aliens thing again. Let's 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 change the genre again. But what genre could you take the Terminator films into that would be interesting? Any ideas? Mute. Musical Terminators in space. <laughs> yes, in space musical. Yes, um, Nazis. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm paid to see that or not. <laughs> um, okay, uh, th- that sounds kind of like one of those mockbuster movies. Like you know, when when James Cameron comes out with this pr- uh, uh, Terminator film uh, that he's producing, like I-, I I can imagine someone like The Asylum having Terminators in space, but I don't know. I, I guess there's really not that many genres you can do, right? Like, you can't. I mean, they've already kind of done comedy. I don't know. Anyways, if you have any ideas, send them to Peter at slashfilm.com and we will we'll mention them in a later edition of the podcast. Uh, but let's move on to Movie Pass because we are the official uh, podcast of Movie Movie Pass. We are not, but um, but we keep on saying that. Anyways, maybe they will acquire us one day. Uh, t- t- today they have announced they're acquiring. Movie phone, uh, the once popular movie buying platform. It used to be a phone number. I remember calling it back in the day and ordering tickets to go see, you know, uh, the latest release in, in in my movie theater. Nowadays, I think everybody uses Fandango. So, um, you know, I, w- when they announced this move, I went to moviephone.com to see, you know, what movie theaters they even offer ticketing in and in los angeles it's it's few and far between there's a couple amc theaters but aside from that like it seems like if you want movie tickets you got to go to fandango.com so ht i'm wondering uh what do you think this move is for like why do you think they acquired movie phone i'm guessing it's like what you said it's for e-ticketing of some sort because the one annoying thing about movie pass is that you have to be at the theater to buy your ticket. And even then, when you get there, you might not be guaranteed a good seat. So it's a little bit annoying. Um, So I could see why they're trying to sort of branch out and corner that part of the market. Um, Because e-ticketing is so important these days when a lot of the seats are uh, assigned. 
Oh, for sure. Um, especially in L.A. where it's a market where, you know, people do not go to the movie theater and buy a ticket. They, you know, buy a ticket way in advance and they have reserved seating. And if you go to the movie theater on a Friday night and try to buy a ticket and it's a, a tickets are available, you are sitting like in the boonies. You're sitting either in the first row or the last row in the corner and you do not have a good seat. So yeah, I, I would, exactly. I would love to see more e-ticketing. Yeah, because I, I remember for for like big movies like Black Panther, I wanted to see that uh, the premiere night. So I bought a ticket ahead of time. I didn't use my movie pass. So I think this is what they're trying to do, gain back their audiences, audience who has like is willing to buy tickets for big uh, movie events. I wonder, is do you think it's against movie passes policies for you to buy a ticket for Black Panther in advance, go to the movie theater Go to the ticketing, return the movie ticket, and then rebuy it instantly with MoviePass. Why would you do that? Because then I'm... you could get your seat that you just returned. Oh, do you know interesting. What I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I never thought about this before. It's probably hmm. against the the rules in some way. Probably. But... <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, uh, they also announced that they are lifting the ban of popular AMC theaters. They had removed a, uh, a bunch of theaters nationwide, including uh, AMC Century City in, in L.A., which I am glad to have back. I, I know, H.T., you, you have a, uh, a local AMC theater back as well, right? Yes. AMC Tyson's in Northern Virginia. It is back and it's the closest one to me. So I'm really excited that I can finally just be there in five minutes versus going like another 10, 15 minutes to my other theater. Now, MoviePass has said that this was an experiment in them trying to see if moviegoers would, you know, go to other theaters if they didn't have the choice of that theater. Um, to me, it always seemed, I, I mean, to the industry at large, it always seemed like they were trying to force AMC into making some sort of a financial deal with them. Um, but it doesn't seem like that financial deal has happened. So, Chris, any idea why would uh, why would MoviePass give these AMC theaters back to to their subscribers? I I don't know what MoviePass is doing. They're they're a mystery to me. Every time a new story breaks, I'm just like, what what's going on? I don't even know how they make money at this point, but they're they're up to something, and sooner or later we'll figure it out. My guess is it's it's world domination. <laughs> I mean, they're losing probably record amount of money right now, but it seems like uh they're building up such a subscriber base and you know assets, including movie phone. Like, I uh, I can't imagine. Like, I know on paper it seems like a bad bet to bet uh for movie uh movie pass, but like it seems. It seems like, yeah, you're right. I, I, I am fearing that they're going to be our overlords, uh, you know, come five years down the line. That, you know, all movie tickets are going to be through MoviePass. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, let's move on to uh, Steven Spielberg. Uh, he has revealed that he might finally adapt the Stephen King uh, book, The Talisman. Chris, you're a big fan of Stephen King. Tell us about it. Uh, yeah, so Steven Spielberg has had the rights to the talisman since 1982 before the book even came out. And he's been just trying to turn it into a film uh, pretty much ever since um, for a while. He, he considered turning it into a TNT miniseries. Uh, then for a while he handed it over to Frank Marshall to possibly direct it. 
Um, now, uh, Entertainment Weekly has a, a pretty interesting interview with both Steven Spielberg and Stephen King talking about the various projects they've been trying to make together over the years. And it, during the interview, Steven Spielberg says um, he he feels like maybe in in the next few, uh, the near future, he says he's hoping to make the film. Um, he says he's not committing to the project as a director yet, but he's saying it's something I've wanted to see come to theaters for the last 35 years. So it's not clear if he'll finally you know bite the bullet and direct it himself, or if Frank Marshall is still directed, or someone else, but. It does seem like the project is closer to being a reality than it's it's been in the past. And, you know, he's been kicking this around for 35 years. So I guess we'll see. Now, uh, what is the talisman about? And would do you want to see a big screen movie of it? Um, uh, it's sort of it's like a, a, a fantasy adventure. It's it's partially inspired by, you know, Mark Twain and the adventures of Huckleberry Finn. But it has a a supernatural bent to it. Um, he co-wrote it. Stephen King co-wrote it with, uh, Peter Straub, who's another horror writer. Um, it's not my favorite Stephen King book, but it actually, it could be a really great adventure film. I'm honestly surprised it hasn't been turned into a film yet at this point, because there's enough material in the book to turn it into a great, like fantasy, uh, even sort of Harry Potter-ish sort of film. Uh, you know, it's a bit darker, but it could be in that same vein. So if if Steven Spielberg himself directs this, I think it could be great. But I guess we're going to have to see. Well, it seems like it's been in Spielberg's clutches for many years now. So maybe that's why it hasn't been made elsewhere. Um, and Spielberg usually plans his upcoming projects, uh, either, you know, directorial or pro- uh, producing like three to five years in advance. So that it seems like we're going to see this pretty soon uh, if he if he's talking about finally making it. Uh, but let's uh, let's get to our final story. And that is Amazon's Lord of the Rings TV show, which we we've, we've talked about in the past. Um, they have now revealed some details, which includes a five season commitment, a billion dollar budget, Peter Jackson and a possible spinoff. Chris, what is going on here? Uh, yeah, so uh, Amazon, they're going all in on this uh, Lord of the Rings series. Um, you know, back when it was announced, uh, the idea was Amazon wanted their own Game of Thrones, basically. So th- they put down a lot of money. And we already knew it was a lot of money. But now the new report indicates uh, the budget could be more than $1 billion for the show, which is insane um and they're also they're planning five seasons they also want to do uh, a spin-off and they're talking and to peter jackson um he might just be executive producer it's not clear if he's going to be directly involved with it or not um uh i, I really i really don't know if he's gonna want to you know handle this this whole world again in in tv format but i guess we'll see but yeah, so Amazon, they're they're sparing no expense to get this uh, Lord of the Rings series off the ground. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Lord of the Rings, so I'm not sure if I'm a, if I can get excited for this. Uh, HT, you're a fan of the uh, of the movies and the books. Uh, are you excited for this? I can't say I am just because I I love the books. I love the original trilogy by Peter Jackson, uh, the Hobbit movies less less so but i don't think that they can an amazon series no matter how much money they throw at it can really do justice to what has already been done and you know we've seen such beautiful uh melding of like 
physical and CG effects in the original trilogy. And I get the feeling that we won't get as many sort of physical um, effects in this series just because they won't have the time or the money to do it. So it will probably look like a very glossy um, take off of Lord of the Rings, but I can't really see myself really enjoying it as much as I like the original trilogy. And it's very soon too. It's so soon after the <laughs> the first movies came out. And I know that like that's like not there's no time like space anymore yeah. for movies. But you know, it just it just feels too soon for me. Yeah, I mean, the Hobbit movies were too soon. It, it, I I barely remember those even came out at this point. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like as a person who's not like particularly a fan of fantasy or Lord of the Rings, I will say this: one of the most interesting aspects of Lord of the Rings to me is the world it, it creates and the world building um, that J.K. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> J.R. Tolkien, J.R. Tolkien. Is that correct? Yeah, JR. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, created. Um, you know, I I don't particularly like love any of the characters like I do in like you know other fantasy like genres like Harry Potter or anything like that. But the the world is interesting to me. So I I don't know. Maybe I'd be interested to give this a chance just to explore the world. Not obviously, you know, with a billion dollar budget, I think. I think HD, even even though you're not that interested, you're gonna have to check this out, right? I mean, I guess I have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think we'll all be watching this just to see, you know, the the merit of if this is gonna succeed or fail, and also it's gonna be weird, guys, like getting a Lord of the Rings series because Amazon's releasing this, so I'm assuming it's probably gonna be them dumping the entire season in one day right online that's what usually amazon does am i correct chris i guess unless they want to do it differently i mean you know hulu they do a thing where they release one episode a week so amazon could adopt that model if they want to but yeah i, I guess it depends i just can't imagine binging my way through uh you know a whole season of lord of the rings uh i don't know <laughs> but uh i'm sure there's a lot of fans out there that would love to do that maybe it's just that i'm not a big fan of the the the, the franchise but uh that brings us to the end of today's slash film daily chris where can people find more of your work online uh i'm at slash film.com and i'm on twitter at c evangelista 413 hd where can people find you you can find me every day at slash film.com and i'm on twitter at htranbui you can find me at Slash Film on Twitter. You can find all the stories we've talked about today on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and television. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to Peter at SlashFilm.com. Please go rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>